you looking for a musical conversation with substance? Inclusive, with hosts just like you. Well, we have you covered. Welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. Sit back and relax. I'm Andrew with Jake, Kevin, and Rob, and we're sharing our favorite top shelf albums. Come for the music and stay for the conversation. And welcome to the Music Challenge Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm here with my cast of Motley Cruz, Kevin and Rob. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? And we are here bringing you the Powerhouse album from Jane's Addiction, Ritualo De Lo Habitual. Uh, Such a formative album from our childhoods, and we're thinking it's probably one of yours, too. Without Without question. Yes, indeed. Yeah, power album for the ages. Uh, so in any case, uh, let me uh, introduce my cast. We are once again flying without Jed tonight, who uh, I'm sorry, uh, is, uh, should we tell him where he is? Under the weather. <laughs> He's officially under the weather. Uh, He's enjoying his uh, new bathroom. Um, yeah, almost too much. Like, <laughs> she yeah, might be making him use the old one. In opportune way. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Don't kill our new bathroom. <laughs> Sorry, Jed. We miss you, buddy. We miss you, bud. And uh, so we're just with Kevin and Rob tonight. Uh, Kevin, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Um, let me see. Uh Quick live music roundup. Got to see a couple of shows past weekend, uh, Minor Moon and Tunstar Bandit. Um, both really cool. Um, so just adding to the, uh, add into the live music calendar. I think I've got one more for this calendar year. Um, we'll see if I can ring any. Jingle Bell Bash? No, uh, Steve Gunn is playing uh, Man, next. I got to uh, get to that damn show. Yeah, with Jeff Parker of all people. So that and Jeff Parker, ironically, was the last show I saw in the before times. Really? I saw him March 9th, 2020 at Dorian's, a little jazz uh wow. kind of speakeasy joint up on North Avenue in Wicker Park. Um, with him and Micaiah McRaven, like the OGs. Um, but that was the last show, and everybody I was like. I saw one of my taper buddies there and we kind of like, yeah, nah, okay. fist bump, shake hands, fist bump. No, we'll just look at each other kind of a thing. It was <laughs> creepy, weird, man, creepy, weird times. And that was, um, that was the act. So it'll be cool to see him on the other side of this thing. Right. But, um, yeah. How about you, Rob? What's going on? So, um, Live music roundup. I had tickets to the minor moon situation, but couldn't make it last minute. So at least I gave the dude some money. I mean, I saw him once this this uh, summer for his for his record release at Shuba's, and it was amazing. I wanted to see the show, and I couldn't make it. But this weekend, I saw this band tickets that I bought before the pandemic, and finally got rescheduled at the Arcada in St. Charles. Um, and I was on my way in an Uber. I went with a guy I work with, um, and I drove past, I lived the first five years of my life in St. Charles. I was Who born was there. Right? Who did you this, see? this band called the musical box. And I'll explain who they are if you guys don't know them, but I I'm in an Uber, right. And I drive past, uh, I drive past this Arby's that my mom used to take me to when I was little. And I loved, for whatever reason, I loved Arby's. And if you guys can imagine the old 10-gallon hat sign it had with the light bulbs, you know, way back when. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and so she responds back mm, to me. I can't believe, I know. <laughs> like, you know, they took away the potato cake from what I understand. I don't fuck yeah. with Arby's anymore, but I don't think they have the potato cake anymore, which was the jam. Oh, yeah. I don't mean no, to it's derail. All, it's, it's all good. I was a, I was a, <laughs> I was a beef and cheddar guy on the on the oh, onion roll. Big beef and cheddar, me too. Yes, um, solid, solid sandwich. So my mom's response to me, and my mom lives in Pennsylvania now, and she's like, "I can't believe you remember that." And she goes, "So what are you up to?" I said, "I'm going to see a band at the Arcata in St. Charles," and she goes, "Do you know that you saw your first movie at the Arcata when you were one year old?" And I was like, "No way!" And she goes. Alice in Wonderland. I said, what? I saw Alice in Wonderland. It's my first movie. And I responded to her. I said, maybe it's Alice's fault. And she's like, not funny. (laughs) But anyways, I went and saw this band called The Musical Box. And what The Musical Box does, and I've waited years to see these guys. Before I bought these tickets, before the pandemic, um, they do Peter Gabriel early Prague era Genesis. Oh, and that's wow. all they do up through the landlines down at Broadway. Right. Right. And they nice. fucking nail it, dude. I mean, unbelievable. The vocals and, you know, Peter Gabriel's vocals back then were ridiculous. They got the whole setup. There's five dudes. I mean, the key. Did they the, cover all the part? I mean, like Phil Collins singing too. Do they, is, y- y- Oh yeah, their drummer was singing backing uh, vocals like Phil Collins. The the keys player was insane. They had a guy with the double neck guitar. Nice. Like, was it Steve Hackett did that or? Uh, I think it I was can't Steve. remember that dude's name. But but they Mike. Uh, Mike Rutherford. Mike Rutherford, yeah. He would play part-time the bass and part-time the guitar, and he had a double neck with a bass and a guitar. And this dude switching back and forth in the song. I mean, it was dope as fuck, dude. Wow. Um, So, and they announced, they said, next year's show is going to be, and they didn't play anything from The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Next year's show is going to be the entirety of Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And that's what Peter Gabriel finished with. That was the last tour he did. They toured that record and they played it from start to finish. It is going to be epic, dude. Wow. You got to let me know on that one. Absolutely. Sweet. So did you bring So uh, what's, what's your, I don't mean to interrupt Drew, but I meant no. to ask you, what, what's your feeling on, on like that early Prague era Genesis? What do you make of that? Oh, geez, man. It's like swimming in a sea of chocolate melody. It's it is, beautiful, dude. It is just so thick and lush. It's actually been one Absolutely. of my uh, loves for the past year. Uh, digging into Selling England by the Pound. A great fucking record, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some incredible tunes on it. And uh, it's, you know, it's, you know, I'm a, a guy who uh, looks back for musical education quite a bit. And uh, absolutely. There absolutely no lack of uh, source material as far as, you know, learning about your roots. So anyway, Rob, did you bring us an album tonight? I did. And um, my album is Jane's Addiction, Ritual, De Lo Habitual. Um, and I can safely say that this is more, this is one of my desert island albums, right? Like, right. 
Um, if I'm bringing, if I'm bringing like 10 records, this is going to be one of them. And like we opened with the, the opening first track on the record stop. Um, it is. That's true. We came in on stop. We, we did. Um, it is money from start to finish and I just don't get tired of it. Right. I can listen to this album forever and I'm never going to get sick of it. Um, and I guess speaks to the brilliance of it. Right. Um, yeah. So like that, that was like the big single off of this. Am, am I right? Am I wrong? That and that and an MTV. No, video? no, it was been caught stealing was the biggest one, but it was Stop this, were, were the, right. This, they this were the was two. the other one too. Yeah. Both of them were right on, right on. So in, in, in as in as a Sorry. an opener for a record, um, this is how you open a freaking album, right? Yeah, like hard just rock. blazing it, right? Like hard rock, right? Get their attention, right? Right, without a doubt. Uh, it, I mean, so I bought this album on tape. I think the day okay. it came out, audio cassette. Got it. And uh, it was highly anticipated by me because I had already been all over Nothing Shocking and whatever Amazing. Else. Yeah, an amazing album. And uh, and so you're like, well, I hope this doesn't disappoint. And uh, the first song is Stop, you know? Right. And it just fucking takes off. And I was in my car and uh, it was just an amazing sound. And... Uh, um, like, Out your Toyota Corolla fucking speakers through. It was tank. a Toyota Corolla. No way. Yes, <laughs> dude. It totally was. I've had like it's four awesome. Corollas in my life. They're good cars. Yeah, I might have another one soon. But uh, so, uh, yeah, it was a Toyota Corolla. And uh, it was it was no, it was like a, a progress sound that was coming out. You know, it, it had taken right. whatever nothing shocking was. And uh immediately built on amped it, it up absolutely right. juiced it up what do you think kevin i had this i had this on cd and i was in the same boat like looking forward to this thing from day one and yeah and i mean from the opening notes of this song um it delivers um it just yep. it blasts your eardrums open and dave navarro's crunchy guitar like it's just perfect um i don't know this band I was thinking about this as I was walking around the grocery store, just cranking this album and melting the inside of my brain that this is like <laughs> this music. If you think about nothing shocking, if you think about like this kind of music and how like, yeah, this was a year before Nevermind. And right. you know, yeah, it was like this shit was harder and more dangerous it, it, and, and like and a way was, better, way more like thought through, right? It was, yeah, it might have been also beautiful and more produced parts yes, and yes, like, yes. like, yeah, like gorgeous in spots and totally fucking hard as hell, like this and others. Right. And like, yeah, it's, it's like this came out a year before Nevermind. And so like Nevermind blew the, like it kind of hit the reset button on everything. But like this album was an, it's, it, 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 the sound carries over because it's just totally. crunchy fucking rock and roll. I don't know. It's from not, get, it's from not, the get go. 
and and you 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 mentioned Navarro just absolutely shredding. He's one of my favorite rock guitarists. And I've told you guys this before. He number one, he's super fucking rock and roll. But two, he has some of the most beautiful like shred guitar tone. It's like he thinks about it, right? But then he can dial it back, and he's got almost that twelve stringish sound and almost an acoustic sound. Um, he's yeah. just a, a classy, classy player in my eyes. He yeah, he can solo. play every note, right? Yeah. Yeah, he knows all the uh, notes, and he can solo like a motherfucker. Totally. I mean, well, I mean, how? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got so I I got so excited. I forgot to talk about the the coolest part of this song is the breakdown. slows yes. down and then it explodes again and like i don't know i think i think about i think about a song like this right like the last minute of this song and how reckless abandoned it is right yep. right yep. and this was like i don't know a good maybe two two to three years before my brain connected with the song maze but when oh I'm, dude right? i've really thought about that i'm giving this song credit for that my friend um right here um because i was i had that kind of cosmic realization as i was listening Maze to by fish. Like, yeah. yeah like okay. um like the last minute of this song from like about the 313 minute on is just reckless shredding a band. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And like, and like classy though, not. Yeah. But it's, it's all there. It's a band just like cranking it up and it's like a, it's a machine, but it's a well-oiled one and they're so good at what they do. And they They, just, yeah, I'm giving this song credit for making me, uh, except making you love, making you love maze and then fish as a band. I mean, one good look at these guys and you can tell these are some real heroin addicts. I Fuck mean, yes. there's some dangerous motherfuckers. Yes. You know? They're the, uh, yeah. They, they like, hung out with the red hot chili peppers for Christ. They're not sanitized like, like, you know, Van Halen was kind of, you know, right. and, and, you know, a lot of other, you know, I mean, Warner Brothers put this band up front right away. They got a big signing bonus. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it was kind of, I, I although know, absolutely ripped on heroin. Perry is a smart fucking dude, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and like he, that's part of the reason they broke up is because he's, his freaking ego got in the way. But 
when we'll like, get to he, that. he he was almost like a like a, uh, a not a choreographer but a orchestrator too because he was bitchy like that i think you should oh yeah 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 he he was controlling exactly he was controlling for sure so so let's you know you have the chaotic part house stop and i pretty much go straight in and no one's leaving opening up awesome bass riff absolutely Again, second track, like this is, you know, they dial it back a little bit, but, um, and, and then it goes nuts again. Right. Um, well, it's got an, that, um, yeah. Right. It opens up with that bass. It sounds like it's almost like the chili peppers at the time. It's right? Absolutely. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's like, he wants to sound like flea, you know, right. He wanted to sound like flea did on mother's milk. And, and Eric Avery, was a bad motherfucker. Like he was a good, I'm I pretty believe, much co-founder of the band with Perry Farrell, right? Eric correct. Correct. Right. Um, him and Perry founded the band and um, he was a badass dude between him and, in in uh, Stephen Perkins, they were unbelievable rhythm section. And then you got Dave Navarro on the top of that and freaky ass Perry singing over the top of that you know right this right. is yeah this song's got that funk and then one little uh nugget or tidbit about this song that i i found a music when i was kind of digging up some trivia about this album is that um dave navarro was fucking around uh with um the van halen instrumental tora tora and basically, oh nice yeah kind of like the riff on that is part of this song effectively um, Interesting. Off of the album, Women and Children First. I do. Right? Uh, yeah. Great. That outro, the outro at the end of the song is inspired by uh, Van Halen's Tora Tora. No shit. Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't it? Yeah. No kidding. So, yeah. So ain't no, ain't no right. Ain't no. One of, one of my favorite tracks on this record. Um, ain't no wrong opens, with this song. Right. It opens up with it opens up with him speaking some lyrics from another song is what I I read and I didn't know that when he's like, get your fucking piss cup out of my fucking face, your sex and your drugs and your rock right. and roll at the beginning, right? And it's it's all about the judgment of what people do basically or what drugs people take. And obviously Perry was fairly offended by that because he did whatever the fuck he wants, but amazing fucking tune. Um, I love it. What are your guys feelings on it? It's amazing. The the breakdown part in it, when like Dave Navarro hits those fucking open chords or whatever. Uh, Right. Fantastic. And then that's a big part of their formula too, is that tension and release, you know. Right. Uh, like the build the build up, the the quiet and then the build up, you're right. Right. The you know, explosion. I mean, they're they're pretty masterful at it. And they're pretty masterful at the explosion too, which, you know, not it, that's hard to achieve as a band. It, to like totally to tear loose like that. I mean, you really gotta know what the fuck you're doing and you gotta know what your bandmates are doing too, or else it just sounds like a stampede. 
Not to mention, you have to be tight as fuck to be able to do that, right? Right, right. Well, speaking of which, one of the factoids that I had learned about this fucking album was that these songs were not new to them. They had basically, they had all the songs from Nothing Shocking and Ritual in their back pocket. Holy shit. Yeah, and Perry... Like, so the, the very first lyrics to the song, I am skin and bones, I am pointy nose, but it motherfucking makes me try. What that says to me is that I'm a scrappy motherfucker. Right. You know, nothing but like life and history has proven that to be undeniably true. Right. Absolutely. This guy has scrapped himself into a, like, you know, an empresario it, effectively, it, right? It, it, a fucking um, enterprise for Christ's sake, right? And, and he understands that this collection of songs that these two albums are gave him a lifetime, a lifetime's worth of cachet, basically. For sure. Right? And so it, when you say credit, they were tight, yes. they had been playing this song since 1986 by the time they right. recorded it. So like, think so, about that, right? Like it's tight yeah. as hell because they had played it hundreds of times on oh, the Sunset yeah. Strip and all those shows. Right. And like, they know this stuff up and down. They're so good. It's like, yeah, I, I mean, I, when I think about this album, they had to be the best band in the world at the time, for Christ's sake. You know, they were absolutely and right to be like, able to see them live during that time. Holy cow. Yeah, I saw them a few times. And when you actually talk- I saw a lot of Palooza one and two. I saw Oh yeah. my god. What? How have yeah. you never told me this? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but I saw a lot of Palooza yeah. one and two at Tinley Park. And yeah. guys, I was in those just for the folks Fuck, that yeah. don't know this Midwestern Hoy. Perry Farrell started Lollapalooza and and it was a traveling tour at one point in time. Now it's just in Chicago. Well, not who, but it comes here um, and that's it. They they also have like a Lollapalooza Paris and a Lollapalooza South America. Oh, right, right. They do. They do. They have one in Western Europe. They have one in in South America. You're right. But in the United States, it comes to Chicago. but the the years one of Lollapalooza, which was put together for Jane's Addiction's last tour, right? Yeah. I don't know if yep. you guys know. This. It was this album they were touring. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, it was going to be their last tour and they were breaking up. And a bunch of other like freaky bands or freaky bands at the time joined them. And I mean, what was on number one? Was was Pearl Jam on that one or they number two? They were, in the, they were at the second one. It was uh, Ice-T and Body Count. Um, oh, God, I had, what? Um, yeah. Um, butthole surfers. Okay. Right. Um, does that I've sound seen right them to before. you? <laughs> I, I will tell I, you what, I do not. Ministry. Ministry. Monopoly, was on there. They were at one of those. One. Yeah. That's when they, they had turned pretty freaky at that point. Oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah. And it, uh, mine is a terrible thing to taste, I think, is what they were touring. Yeah. Uh, Beastie Boys were one of them. Um, uh, what was it? Was it Beastie? BC was Ice T or no? Ice T. You said Ice T. Beastie Boys Primus was that? I, it? I, I thought Primus second one. Primus might have been on that one. Anyway, anyway, so, so yeah, these were incredible. What that what La Palooza was at that time was a tour that you know they were you know taking this thing around. I saw the first two tours in in Chicago, and yeah, so they toured Ritual de la Bitual for what was the first La Palooza. And uh, I remember Ice T came out. They did a Sly and the Family Stone song. Uh, right. Don't call me N word, Whitey. And uh, it was uh, like. So oh, here was. You want to hear the lineup? I've got it. I do. I do. Yes. Jane's Addiction, Susie and the Banshees, Living Color, Nine oh, Inch Nails, no, Ice wow. T, Body Count, Butthole Surfers, Henry Rollins Band. Oh my God! Ron, uh, um, what is that record called? That Rollins Band record I love. The End of Silence, fucking amazing. Yeah, Sin, that was Sin Kane on the, the drums. He was a badass. Yeah. Um, wow, Nine Inch Nails, and that was that yeah. Was probably, I was there for Nine Inch Nails for sure. It was probably right after the Broken EP, which is my favorite release of Nine Inch Nails. Whole it was career. pretty early. It was pretty early amazing. for Nine Inch Nails. I mean, because uh, they were a mid-level. Uh, Pretty, <laughs> yeah, they were playing pretty, under pretty hate machine. Color. Didn't come out. That's much crazy. That. So right, yeah. All right, let's be um, careful so, talking on top of each other. <laughs> right. All right. So. So let's go. So we we left off at ain't all right, right? Right. So uh, obvious is next, and frankly, this is one of my favorites on the album. Um, Amazing. It's a stone cold groove. I want to say they had a video for this and it was like uh, all surfing or something like that. Uh, sounds like it's plausible. But, uh, you know, I might be completely making that up. I guess I should have researched that off, folks. Uh, we'll just go off my memory. But yeah, I just love this album. The way it, it just kind of soars. I mean, it's awesome. This song, this song you mean, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, this song, obvious. It just kind of soars. I mean, it just, it's in the clouds for me. kind of it almost feels like it goes a little psychedelic at this point or this is the first point where they start kind of going that direction um, right how about you kev yeah the um i think what's so cool about this song is the layered guitar shit that navarro does like there's a yeah. bunch of it kind of running on top of each other and making it sound like a kind of a chorus of guitars and then that weird ass out of place, out of tune piano that just kind of pops up out of nowhere and right. doesn't belong, but somehow fits perfectly. It's really cool climax to this song. Absolutely. And, and that's Perry on the, on the keys, by the mm -hmm. way. 
Um, yeah, of course it is. So he's handing a bunch of shit. Yeah. So then um, we go to the big single, right? Been yep. caught stealing. That's right. That's right. Which is uh, pretty much about shoplifting, I do believe. Right. And the video was kind of iconic, at least in my eyes, which was Perry dressed up in a, in a dress, like stuffing all kinds of groceries underneath his dress. Oh yeah. Um, it was, it was almost like it, 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 this one to me also almost seemed like a red hot chili pepper song, just kind of like cheeky a little bit. Right. But not, but not over the top. Um, still well-written, well-played. Right. It fits in with the rest of the first half here. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's a hard rock song. Uh, Got several cool parts to it. You know, I mean, once again, it's got the tension and release, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, the world loved it and uh, went on. Kind of introduced like the, the masses to Jane's addiction, it seemed to me. Right. And when, when people think of Jane's addiction peripherally, this song or Jane says they'll bring up, right? Jane says exactly. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, there's nothing wrong with a little popularity and, no, uh, not at know, all. Yeah, for sure. And you know, they certainly, well, not only do they deserve it, I mean, they absolutely commanded it. And, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Nevermind, you know, and uh, just talk about the album for a second. You, you mentioned Nevermind, and, uh, you know, that that's like the giant cliffhanger in, in rock and roll, right? That's, that was sure. before and after, kind of. Um, you know, I never was a Nevermind fan, to tell you the truth. I was all about Jane's Addiction and Smashing Pumpkins. Sure. And, uh, um, you know, that's kind of what now... Uh, that Steve Albini album that uh, Nirvana did that we talked about the one time. Uh, in Utero? In Utero. Man, I do love that album, though. It's fucking great, dude. Yeah, it is absolute sledgehammer to the foreheads in the best right. way possible. Right. Um, but in any case, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, so, the you know, the big the big point of the story was, uh, never mind, it was kind of lost on me, and I was lost in these guys world for sure i mean so many dorm hours spent oh post bars just listening to change addiction absolutely and, uh, it yeah. was great getting high music back then right oh it yeah. was some of my original getting high music and i still love getting stoned and listening to ritual or nothing shocking um but back to that, and I don't mean to keep bringing up never mind, but um, I read, and I can't remember who said it, but they were talking about how formative uh, Ritual De Lo Habitual was. And they said, you know, records like Nevermind would never have been possibly as popular as they were, or maybe even like signed to a record, a major record label, if it wasn't for Jane's addiction and their influence on that kind of scene. Right. Right. Which, which takes me deeper into it because I, I, I said, said in my head a couple months back when I was re-listening to some mother love bone, who was like a precursor to a grunge band from Seattle, a la Nirvana. 
Um, and I was like, man, those guys were like the Jane's addiction of Seattle. And if you guys go back and listen to Apple and uh, again, Andrew Wood, fortunately Perry Farrell is still with us. He, he never died of a heroin overdose, but Andrew right. Wood right before Apple was released, died of a heroin overdose. And they had some serious potential, had played with Jane's addiction multiple occasions on the West coast somewhere. Um, and it all came to a screeching halt and then they created Pearl Jam and the rest yeah, of the history. I was but, briefly aware of them. Uh, or not briefly, just barely. I mean, I was aware of them. I did watch, this, you remember that show 120 Minutes on MTV? Oh yeah, absolutely. Great yeah, show. I, I watched that every fucking Sunday night. And Dude, it was amazing. It was Saturday night, wasn't it? Or I think it was nope, Saturday Sunday night. night. Sunday okay. night, Saturday night was Headbangers Ball. That's right. Right on. And uh, in any case, they uh, they played some Mother Love Bone. I think I yes. heard the word there. It's where I first heard of Soundgarden um, and multiple other bands. Uh, it's where my wife fell in love with The Cure. Oh, yeah. Pretty much a flagship of that show. They were darlings of that show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, back when alternative was alternative, as they right. say, I don't mean to sound like right. a boom, boomer or something like that, but no, but it was, it was different than what they were playing on the radio every day for sure. And there was no stations that played that stuff consistently. Right. XRT dabbled in it a little bit, but there were no radio stations that played that stuff consistently. Right. So, right. so mean, what do you get? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Jane's addiction was. I mean, they were a dangerous band. I mean, and how Absolutely. about this? I mean, in like, multiple ways. Pretty much, yeah, multiple ways, artistically and just to hang out with and <laughs> right. whatever. You know, I mean, you, you know, so, I mean, it seems like anyone who listened to Jane's Addiction was pretty cool in my book. Absolutely. Like, you know, not a lot of uh, cheap posers in Jane's Addiction land, at least right. as far as I could tell. I'm sure some other people could tell me otherwise. But, uh, um, yeah, just just a, a nice nice body of people. So, thank you. Sure. The, the magnum opus is still coming up three days, but uh, why don't we take a break first? And, and what are we gonna go out of? Why don't we go out on a little Ben Cot stealing? Uh, okay, and uh, maybe we hear some some of that intricate bass work, and uh, uh, and we'll come back and talk about side B. A ritual day hello habitual when we come back in just a moment. See you then, folks. See you guys. See you. Bye. This is Andrew, one of the hosts from the Music Challenge Podcast, and I want to tell you how you can help us bring you more awesome music commentary episodes. You can subscribe in the listening app of your choice, or you can share this episode with someone you think might dig it. 
please leave a rating and review for us on the listening app of your choice. Or you can get in touch with us at musicchallengepod at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook. Just search Music Challenge Pod and like us to follow us. We hope you enjoy the Music Challenge Podcast and thanks for listening. on the music challenge podcast i'm here with rob and kevin and we are discussing richelo de hello habitual the seminal album from jane's addiction uh their second album and really you know the second album and only two albums of the initial core of the band uh um, right. in in its time anyway so uh, we just uh, listened to the opening from Three Days, and uh, Three Days is uh, what we have decided is probably their magnum opus. And uh, I don't know, guys. Kevin, what do you think? Well, if you think about the um, the intentional songwriting that Perry Farrell does, this was his attempt to make a stairway to heaven, like a journey song. Right. The lamb lies down on Broadway, like mm-hmm. all of it. Right. Absolutely. Like, to pick it up, Rob, like it's there, so, right? It, absolutely. And it, and it goes through like kind of those changes, acoustic changes or whatever, or, or quiet downs and spacey parts. And it kind of, it almost like shows their range or, or shows off their range. Right. Like they're not just like you said earlier, hard rocking they're also they can dial it back and be spacey and psychedelic too similarly to led zeppelin almost like they took more cues from like classic rock and 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 cues from other people too but classic rock heavy at least in my eyes and like you said kev their stairway or whatever i think it's their finest song ever written it's true. And it, it kind of takes you on. I mean, it, it, I mean, progressive is the word I'm looking for. I mean, this sure. is, this is composed. It's put together. It is, yeah. it is, uh, methodical and methodical in the psychedelia kind of in, because it starts you out in a very slow place and kind of just setting the scenery. And, uh, it takes you through the, all these changes, you know, the, kind of the jungle drums the you know the journey right it's the journey totally right it just weaves you through um and one of the cool things about this song is it it was recorded like they rehearsed it obviously but they recorded it in a single take and so wow yeah like Hmm. they stayed up all night making it like perry and dave basically and just composing it and getting Mm -hmm. all the parts um, chemically enhanced, of course, but it sure. was recorded in one single take. That's, that's like fucking amazing. That's the energy that this band has. And that's how cool that this stuff is, right? Like totally. this is a sonic journey and they're able to bend and wind all over the place. And I think you mentioned it, Rob, like 
that Led Zeppelin thing, it's like Led Zeppelin um, kind of crossed with the scuzzy part of Velvet Underground. That's right? what I was thinking too, dude. Like the absolute, I don't give a fuck of the Velvet Underground and just like, we're fucking weird and we're embracing the shit out of it. Right? With that like charge yeah. of fucking Led Zeppelin. That's what it feels like. A little and Joy Division the, in there too. Sure. Just fucking Some weird. modeling dark stuff, you know? Right. That, right. Yes. Right. Um, and the the interesting thing about this song too is, you know, um, this is the song that inspired the album cover, first of all. Right. Okay. Him with the two girls in the bed, right? right? The one that right. got censored and then it became the white album cover. Andrew, was Correct. your tape the white one or the OG uh, It was this cover. one. Yeah, okay. it, it was the OG full frontal yeah. nudity cover. I had the CD cover, uh, the OG CD cover with that, um, with the JA and the, the right. CD. It, like, yeah. But um, this whole song is just about a three-day psychedelic three-way between right. the, the heroin and, and the drug fueled <laughs> and he talks about it at the beginning when he dictates he's like I prepared the room and Christmas lights and a city of candles and Whoa. it was his girlfriend and a another girl friend of his that moved to New York and came to LA and her name was Viola Blue am I right in saying this uh, and Ziola Subsequently overdosed Right at at 19 She overdosed right Yeah Yeah unfortunately Yeah But this this song is basically About those three days It's magical I remember a buddy of mine Dave Playing this for me And it was in his In his uh, In his room at the frat house In Iowa and we were fucked up. And he goes, come here. And we go in his room and he puts this song on and he goes, they should have just quit after they wrote this fucking song. <laughs> I was pretty much did. <laughs> right. They did. <laughs> yeah. But this, this song's perfect. Yeah. It's amazing. And, and, and then I, I don't mean to suck this song dry, but like I said, it's my favorite goddamn song. Suck it dry. It's the magnum opus, as you said, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, but Perry is a huge Grateful Dead fan. And it has some of that dead psychedelia in it. Like, I don't know if oh, you yeah. guys have ever heard the heard the album Dedicated, which was like mm-hmm. a, a dead cover album, basically. Yeah. Um, and they do a rendition. Jane's Addiction does a rendition of Ripple that is all world, dude. Really? Yeah, it's got that same feeling. Oh, yeah, it's on uh, dedicated. It's probably not on streaming, but you can probably find it on YouTube or somewhere right. on the internet. But their version of Ripple is really cool. Um, so it was really super cool. Yeah. If I could share, uh, I, I once saw a video of Ministry do uh, Friend of the Devil. Uh, really? And they did it all acoustic up at, at the fast version up at the front of the stage. It, it was awesome. It was like there were a bunch of pickers. In in wow. that's another very dangerous band wow. in many ways. Ministry. Oh yeah, and I, I was I was in on them so early. Yeah. Was that the second Lollapalooza they were at? 
I think it was. It must be right? with Pearl Jam and Chili playing, Peppers, playing like at two in the afternoon. <laughs> right, ministry coming Side out. Side stage. Yeah, two in the afternoon. I mean, no lights had taken effect or anything like that. Just out there screaming, "Hate, hate, hate, hate!" Right, and, blowing uh, motherfuckers' minds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I've been so into ministry, the industrial ministry, before the mind is a terrible thing to taste, and it it was kind of shocking. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for sure. Jesus built my hot rod. That was quite yeah. a second. That was pretty um, awesome. Amazing. I told you guys before, a guy, a sound guy I worked with at Shoes was the sound engineer on like two or three of their records, and he told me some crazy-ass stories about Al Jorgensen. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, he dude. They went to some destination recording studio, and they he immediately walked into the studio, and there was like everybody had a room, locked himself. Al Jorgensen locked himself in a room for three and back to three days. Three days he locked himself in this fucking room and smoked crack and fucking shot heroin and all kinds of shit. And all of a sudden he just came out and started fucking recording this record. And everybody's like, Al, we're paying for these days. And he wouldn't even fucking respond. And then he just walked out one day and just started recording. Love to know what record that is. Yes. I could yeah. find out. I bet you I could find out. What's the uh, musical version of method acting? That's that's it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, getting back to uh, three days real quick. The one thing I don't want to lose is the awesomeness of the drumming. that clip that's got just that clean tight like is that a bass drum or a kick drum like i think it's a tom a tom okay there you go i'm bad with those things but like it's that clipping motion and it just sounds so good it's kind of a perfect sound um i don't know i just don't want to lose sight of that it's such a great element of that song and if there. I could, if I could mention uh, real quick, uh, man, the fucking solo of Dave Navarro, uh, the uh. multiple of them, but man, that is one of the best hard rock solos you are ever going to hear. Like to sing, Rob. What do you think? So tasteful, um, his solos. And again, this album holds up incredibly well in 2021. I mean, <laughs> it just a beat. does. Um, yeah. In that that part where Perry is like, <laughs> they just go off, and he goes, Eric, Stephen, David. It always gives me fucking chills. I love it, man. And they just go off. 
this yeah. album, you talk about it holding up and not a ton of them do from this era to be right. perfectly frank about it. There's a couple of them. Like I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to recommend the fruit bats version of Siamese dream, which, you know, um, it's an acoustical version of it. It's pretty, effectively, it's pretty but it's really cool. But the, the songs themselves hold up, but this is that one of those albums that, that definitely do. Um, and sure. you know, this is, you know, arguably, this is arguably the greatest song, individual song of that era. If you for sure, like, dude, it's almost um, like you said, the stairway of that era, right? Yeah, like, and you know, if this, if this is your like, if this is your jam, then this should be your jam, um, because right. this is like, this is like they intentionally tried to write a stairway to heaven, and they did, and it's like they nailed it. And like you guys said, the the guitar solo is historic. Um, it's soaring. It's beautiful. Um, you know, it's every perfect note and it's the yes. first take. Right. And then it, it goes into that incredibly depressing song. Right. Right. Then she uh, did. The, or uh, is it, then I think it's, uh, then yes, she did. Right. Then she did. That this song is about Perry's mom committing suicide, right? And four years and, old, and right? the girl, and the girl, right, correct? Girlfriend. And Ziola, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I read a I read a note about this tune too. I didn't know this, but Dave Navarro's mom was murdered. Um, and I read a quote when he was talking about this song and he said when we used to play it Perry would turn around and look at me and say let's let's do this for our moms and he goes every fucking time it would like send chills up my spine and we'd just kill it yeah this is a goth song I mean it truly is like and the, the the this band's ability to do this on the heels of a song like three days or even something Correct. like idiots rule right. is insane. Um, <laughs> you know, they're so talented and Absolutely. yeah, it's um, this is definitely one of those songs. that's like shockingly, shockingly good in that way. And it, it really, it, it gives you the feels for sure. It's such a contrast to three days which is almost violent at times. Right. And, uh, and this is all of a sudden, it's almost like calm water. And uh, it's a perfect compliment to that, right? Like musically? Right. Which makes, you know, this side of music. And yeah, kids, I'm going to talk about sides again. Uh, side B, which started with three days. Uh, yeah. You own this uh, on tape, right? You said it. Yeah. I mean, right. it makes this side of music like one of the best sides of music. I mean, on the way to being one of the best sides of music that you've ever heard in your fucking life. For sure. Um, I mean, I remember the first time I listened to it in my Toyota Corolla. I was actually at home and just went into my car to go listen to this tape. 
and, uh, and, uh, so crazy. I called the Toyota Corolla, the Corolla, um, step inside the Hyundai. <laughs> but in any case, um, yeah. So this, this song is just, I think it's a beautiful contrast. Um, and then we have, uh, something a little bit more, uh, mm, old world, uh, of course. absolutely. Yeah. Of, of course. And like, it opens with that almost like it reminds me of like Italian style violin or something. like kind of kind of sharp but Dave's guitar almost sounds like sitarish in the background too it almost sounds like world music inspired almost and again back to the correlation or the similarities to Led Zeppelin like showing their range right like you talk about something like ain't no right compared to of course it's a it's a sea change and they do them yeah. well. Right. Yeah. Yes. And they, they separate those two songs by quite a bit, you know? So right. like your mind is on a journey at that point. Okay. Yeah. This song, this song is incredibly uh, divergent from the rest of the album in that way. And it's got that, can I say the word gypsy? Is that bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's got that right. kind of like gypsy violin thing going on. Yes. There. I don't think that's we have what any it gypsy is. listeners. Right? Um, you Maybe know, we do. Um, but like, you know, you could see this being like the soundtrack in the market, the beginning of this song, right? And like, what's sure. interesting is uh, Stephen Avery refused to play bass on this song. <laughs> right, right. Stranger. Yeah. A little bit of a yeah. pissy yeah. fight there. Yeah. Didn't their tech or something play and yeah, play the producer line? or something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, got out there and played bass for it. And yeah. he later later said that he regretted or something like that. He regretted not playing bass on this one. Too. Yeah, the guy's name was Ronnie Champagne, which is what a Hollywood name that is, right? Like totally. these guys were, you know, James was an LA band. Like imagine being a guy named Ronnie Champagne in Los Angeles in 1987, no right? Of course you hooked up with Jane's addiction. <laughs> you know? <laughs> of course. They're like, just get on the bus. Exactly. But yeah, this, um, this song is, is a weird one and it's, it, it's kind of, it's like, it's weird in a way that Zeppelin was weird at times, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah, like Zeppelin had that weird thing every now and then that they would do. Yeah, Zeppelin could definitely do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like the, like the battle of Evermore almost, right? Like, yes. That kind of, Yes. Yeah, just flexing because they can, you know, because right. they have Stairway to Heaven in their back pocket. Like, oh, fuck you. Totally. Put stairway to Heaven on that. Right. We'll make Battle Evermore. Yeah. And you'll like it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> or all of Led Zeppelin 3, for that matter. <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, it's got the violin on this uh, track, you know, which is, you know, Divergent. And, you know, not a lot of bands of this era 
are, you know, CNC Music Factory is not incorporating the violin into their songs in this era. And they were absolutely huge. Yeah. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch aren't playing violin. Yeah. There was so much garbage out of the time. And I think one reason I'm so sensitive to it was that that was the year I started going to bars. And, uh, Got it. uh, Cochran's in Champagne. <laughs> uh, uh, you only—I <laughs> mean, you could get in there with any type of type of ID whatsoever. So <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah. we we did Thursday night thirty-two ounce cups for a dollar fifty. Damn. And, uh, oh god, yeah. If you had three of those, you were fucked. Uh, but in any case, um, uh, Jesus, how did I get started talking about that? You were talking about CNC Music Factory. Oh, yeah, a lot of garbage out at the time. And I was aware of it because I was in the bars listening to it at the time. And uh, um, getting a little ace of bass worked in there. I saw the sound. Oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> ace of bass, something like that. Some uh, new shoes. <laughs> yeah, this was the. A hard, dangerous edge of the spectrum back then in, in the way that also kicked ass musically. There was more dangerous music, but it wasn't as good musically, even close to, oh, to what this band was doing. Yeah. Agreed. They were light years above um, anyone else at the time. And I, I don't know if you guys saw this, but when I was researching some history on this record, Alice Cooper had commented on this record. And said, it's a classic. Every time I listen to it, I feel like I'm listening to four guys push themselves to their limits. And I wonder if this album, years down the road, is going to be as formative as something like the Beatles' Abbey Road or something. He correlated it to something like that. I don't know exactly what. But um, but to, just to think that Alice Cooper, and he goes... He said something to the effect of you could hear almost a little of my type of music, but just hints. And that was the beauty of it. He wishes. Right, right. They 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 kind of touched so many different things and like flexed their influences, but not enough that you'd, you know, think they ripped something off or whatever. Like it was all just perfectly done. Yeah, they had when a great it, sound. Just a great a great sound and they truly like they are kind of the ultimate flash in the pan band. Like I, I pined for a reunion for them for years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, before it was kind of like, you know, when they finally did read and United, you know, it wasn't, I would had already kind of moved a lot of years. Right. I mean, but yeah. those first forever, years, it was I, like, I, I really wanted, you know, them to Just, come back in some way, shape, or form. Like uh, Peripheral resurfaced with Porno for Pyros. Right. And uh, right. Pets, you know, that was all the rage one summer. Right. I do remember. But, I mean, it wasn't the same. And then no. there were just tons of projects in between, you know, with various members of people who used to be in Jane's Addiction. And then, and, you know, and actually one band that came into my mind while I was listening to, in particular, the first I was Guns N' Roses. And uh, sure. sure enough, they even worked with Duff McKagan. Uh, yes, they did. On, on bass. And uh, um, so, you know, some, you know, they had several different incarnations, several breakups due to drug addiction. Uh, Perry Farrell actually demanded 62.5% of all the band's royalties oh, uh, and got it. 
And uh, if you don't think that's going to piss off your bandmates permanently. Totally. Um, I mean, to think that he's getting 62.5%, and the rest of them are splitting three eighths of the entire, of right. the whole bill. Uh, and and uh, didn't I, because I saw them, I don't know, six years ago at a, at a, pre-show for Lollapalooza at the Metro at 11 oh, yeah. midnight or something like that. And it was really fucking good. But Eric Avery, is it Eric Avery? No. The bass player was, yeah. it was, it was a new bass Steven. player. Steven. There we go. Um, it was, it, it, he wasn't there, but Dave and, and Perry and they had the girls hanging from like piercings and the ceiling and Ooh. it was fucking awesome and i was just thinking in my head the whole time i was there i can't imagine if i saw these guys in like 90 like how amazed like firing on all cylinders right and that's where small venue right going back they won like some award for the greatest small venue tour of 1990 and i was like my god what an asshole i am that i didn't go see that right it would have been fantastic well, it would have been fantastic to see them in between. It would have been, you know, to see them for the Nothing Shocking tour, basically, yeah. and to have them on your radar um, while they were touring around that time because you would have been able to catch them at mid-sized clubs. Um, right. Or theaters, anyway. Mid-sized theaters, probably. I right. also read, like, when they were just, you know, like, Warner Brothers signed them and they put them on tour opening up for a certain band and uh they did several uh like a tour opening up for love and rockets no uh, shit yeah yeah so you could have caught yourself a james addiction love and rockets show and they also uh did a tour opening up for peter murphy who was in bauhaus that has wow a, has a connection to love and rockets there too because uh, the pretty much bauhaus ideated into love and rockets at some point yeah but uh in any case, so we do have the last song of the album, uh, Classic Girl. Well, Great. And, well yeah, go. speaking of Bauhaus, um, the Bauhaus track Hope is basically the same guitar riff as Classic Girl. Well, um, yeah. Uh, wow, it's, talk about coincidences. It's, it's on the same position on the guitar. It's just played differently, but the hands are on the same position. And you, if you listen to the Bauhaus track, Hope, and, like, you can hear it. It's it's clear as day. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, it's, uh, it's really cool. So it's weird that you mentioned that, Andrew. We did not work that out, people. We did not. How's that the is, connection on the Classic Girl crazy. Bauhaus connection, isn't it? On the wow. Music Challenge podcast. Yeah. So, so this being one of my favorite, like, kind of quiet, almost, I don't know, would you call it, like, folk? Uh, not folk, but just... It's kind of psychedelic folk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it, I love this fucking tune. It always, I don't know why it always reminds me of my wife for some reason. She loves Jane's addiction too, but. Such a classic Gives a man a great idea. And he should tell you friends, hey, Listen to my great idea. 
I love this fucking. There's a purity to this song. Um, like, and it's kind of in a, like, you know, it's like the purity coming from the sleaziest of sources. Like this song, it's weird, but like, yeah, this song is like, um, there's, there's something uniquely, um, innocent about it and it's really cool. Um, and it does sound a little bit like, yeah, it's got, I don't know, it's got some kind of. California Zeppelin-y vibes. Sure. Um, right? Sure. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It feels great- like you're s- sitting on the beach in the evening in the like cool sand or something like that. Right. Totally. To me, to me, totally. it's very cleansing from the rest of, it's kind of like you go through this whole trip with the first three songs of three days. Then she did, of course, like you just go through this whole fucking trip ending up in this kind of wedding situation and of course, and then you just have this simple classic girl, right? Uh, you know, which is you know almost almost set you back right after you know this trip that you just took. It's a great closer. It's yeah, the proverbial return to reality in that way, and I think anyone can appreciate that after the roller coaster ride that is that the earlier part of that album and certainly the middle into the end for right. sure i mean you start at stop which is you know one type of song and then you end at classic girl and how you got there is is the beauty of the album it's, absolutely you know it's a connected river yeah it was a fun time musically and this was i mean when i think about it this was part of a collection of albums, you know, along with some of the, you know, we talked about like Prague and things like that kind of opening sure. your mind in different ways, but this was like new music at the time doing it. And there wasn't a lot of new music at the time. doing no. it. You're right. And, and they were pioneers in that way. And um, I think historically they do stand up as probably, you know, arguably, in my opinion, maybe the most musically significant band of this, of this era um, by virtue of what they spawned after, after them. Um, I, I th- I and I think they're, they were almost like musicians, musicians, right? Like there would be a ton of people after that had success after Jane's addiction that would call them inspirational to them. I, I, I know that's the case. Like this generation's Velvet Underground, like our generation's Velvet Underground. Sure, sure. Right, like a flash in the pan band that didn't do a bunch, but when they did, like the people that were kind of there watching them went on to make bands. And it was quality. Yeah. Yeah. High quality for sure. So I don't know. I guess that about wraps it up for uh, Ritual de Habitual on the Music Challenge podcast. You guys got any closing thoughts? Yeah, I just, um, I don't know. I think um, it was like, it was part of this great collection of stuff that, you know, I think for us anyway, it ushered us into college, right? Like, Oh yeah, sure. Right. It was kind of the soundtrack of that. And I mean, it got, I think it, it expanded our sonic palettes in a lot of different ways. And I think it opened, um, I don't know, it, it, it opened us up in, in ways that paid off down the road. And like I said, I, I think I made the connection that I gave it credit for maybe opening me up um, to fish um, again, just by the sonic weirdness and stretchiness of that, uh, 
that whole, um, the, the craziness of stop and the craziness of maze touching the same places in my brain. It's good stuff, man. Totally good stuff. Yeah. Listen right. to it guys. And if you haven't listened to it recently, listen to it again and, and hit us up and let us know if it still holds up in your eyes. I, I bet you it will. Um, one of my favorites all time. Right on. Uh, this was such a formative album for me. I mean, I just listened to the shit out of this album back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. but like this, some of it, it just stands up. I mean, you know, it, like three days of staying up in any era as just a bona fide rock and roll song. And absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, All timer. Yeah. Yeah. Put it up there. I'll put it up against Stairway to Heaven any day. For so. sure. So, uh, well, that might wrap it up for the Music Challenge podcast here uh, on a uh, stormy Monday night for Andrew and for Rob and uh, Kevin. Uh, we'll say good night. See you Take later. Take care, folks. y'all. See you guys.